What's up, everybody? It's Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pacers Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pacers on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pacers Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers, who are 15 wins and 28 losses, just a little bit over halfway into the season, 13th in the East, six and a half games out of the playing tournament. And this is not the season that anyone hoped that we would have. This is not the season that we wanted to have, but maybe to quote sort of a, a often used trope from sports, Justin, maybe it's the season we had to have. It's a great point. We've kind of been drumming for this kind of season since we started this podcast a bit, haven't we? Maybe not the first season where um, Pacers played Miami in the playoffs, but since that playoff series, I think all three of us have been aligned to say, hey, this team needs a full-on rebuild. We need to build through the draft. It's only only way a small market team is going to succeed in the long term. Alex, you mentioned the way Memphis look. They've built the right way. They look terrific. Probably the, one of the most exciting teams in the league. So, um, yeah, I'm all aboard the the tank and the losing and everything. Sign me up. I don't care what you say about me being a fan. Um, I'm, I'm all about the long-term success here. So, um, personally, I, I want some losses to pile up. It's, it's become a little bit of a looking at other box scores and getting excited when you see Orlando win, getting excited when you see the Pelicans win. Alex, it's, it's kind of counterproductive to cheer for other teams' success, but this is where we are right now, and it's not a position that we've found ourselves in uh, pretty much ever, aside from the Paul George injury season where we, you know, we still finished in a position to draft 10th, but... It's uh, it's just not a position that we are accustomed to as Pacers fans and other fan bases. You know, go through cycles of this: Philly, Milwaukee, etc. Like all the the teams that are experiencing success now, at some point, we're picking high in the lottery. So um, every other team's experienced this. It's just so happened that because we've been um, so steadfast in not losing, that we've never had to worry about lottery odds. It's funny. If- I feel like if you had told me that we would be, what, 13 games under 500 halfway through the season, I would have 100% said, okay, so Sabonis went down for the season or, you know, Brogdon and Levert basically didn't play any games, right? Like, but we've been one of the healthiest teams in the league, which is a crazy thing to say. We've hardly had any players miss games for our health and safety. I mean, yeah, it's embarrassing how bad this team is. And, you know, it it is funny. Uh, I feel like, it's almost ironic a bit because Kevin Pritchard obviously wanted to do this in 2017, right? He uh, yep. reportedly w- was shut down by Herb Simon. And then Herb Simon says those things like, oh, don't worry, I love our team. It's a fun little team. We're like three and 11 since he came out with those comments. <laughs> mm. um, so yeah, it, it, it's just gone more and more downhill as the season's going on, mate. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that Brogdon and, and Levert haven't been out for much. They were out for uh, extended pitch, which um, allowed Lance Stevenson to have two of the best games of his entire career. Since those games, when you know players have returned into the lineup, he's averaging somewhere in the vicinity of about seven points and four rebounds a game. Um, last game, he had 5.3 rebounds and zero assists against Phoenix and in only 10 minutes. So it's really interesting to see the difference in the team, which we spoke about this from the other perspective last episode, Justin, the, the difference in the team when Lance is on the floor. And 
Levert and Brogdon came back. Brogdon was, you know, basically on the court and then immediately off it again. Um, but going away from Lance as your key playmaker and one of your key playmakers for the entire rhythm of the game, we look like a different and worse team. Yeah, well, if you actually do remember, Adam, we mentioned after that Utah home win where fans, we probably haven't seen that excited on Twitter and everything like that and Pace Nation talking about the team in maybe a year. And I still mentioned this. Let's not forget this is an awful basketball team. Like. Yeah. I remember saying there was words because I think we we're all caught up in the Lance hype and, oh, my God, we've got Lance back. We're going to be a great team to watch this year. And, um, you know, Lance cannot be our saviour. He's, he's no. a bench player on a 10-day contract. Um, he's not going to be our saviour. So, yeah, it was, it was important to pe- uh, put people in, in perspective and say, look, this is still an awful basketball team, and it is. Um, I think in the last 10 games, they're one and nine, uh, which is which is yep. just dreadful. Um, and... You know, it's it's tough to see when the next win will come. And look, knowing paces, they'll probably beat Golden State or something, and I'll and I'll be so annoyed because that'll that'll drop us to like the sixth or seventh peak. I can see it happening, but um, yeah, the the schedule is tough. And again, that's why everyone mentioned, oh, the start of the season is so hard. Like Carlisle mentioned it all the time, we're going to really struggle through November and December. I remember looking at the schedule and thinking. Pacers shouldn't struggle till January. That's when we have these hard games. So yep. um, if they had any chance of making the eight, they should be over 500 right now. And I think it's an important note as well what Alex mentioned. This team doesn't have injuries. One of the healthiest teams in the league now. Um, COVID, we haven't really dealt with too much. I know Duarte's been out a bit. Um, but compared to what other teams are dealing with and still winning, look at the Miami Heat. <laughs> They're about third in the, third in the East and they, they don't play with Ben, Butler, um, you know, Larry's been out, Tucker's been out. Like, that that's a team you want to model yourself on, and the paces just aren't it. We're nowhere near. I mean, even, you know, Brogdon's injury issues that he's had over the last couple of seasons continue to surface. Levert was obviously out in health safety protocols for 10 days or so, but, you know, Levert hasn't been a difference maker for us this season. He's only had patches every now and again where he's shown... Uh, the ability to be a lead ball handler when Brogdon's been out. Uh, Duarte's a rookie. You shouldn't be relying on him to win you games. He's been a bright spot of this year, but you know, just like every other rookie, he's going to get a bit fatigued in the second half of the season because he's not used to playing 82 games or even close to that number. Um, and we need to talk about Brogdon, Alex, because we we spoke last episode about the need to potentially not play Brogdon until the All-Star break, give him time to recover, wait until he's back at 100%. He looked far from 100% when he returned. And it just so happens that when he did return, he immediately left the game again. I mean, this guy, with the greatest respect to him, he's clearly dealing with injuries right now. And he has not proven the ability to play through those injuries. That's not to say that he's not tough. He's just not as durable as you would like him to be. And you need to shut him down until he is healthy. You can't afford to have him in and out and in and out and potentially aggregate, aggravate these injuries even more so that he misses more time. And there's zero incentive of playing him, right? Like firstly, you're trying to lose games. You're trying to get a top five pick. Secondly, you can't trade him. You extended this dude when you really didn't have to. I think that's a conversation we probably have to have at some point as well. I mean, he had two years left on his deal. I know that extending him makes him happy, but it also meant we couldn't trade him. So I, I think that's a conversation that needs to be had. But 
Look, I'm 100% on board. I've been on board for a while that Brogdon just needs to sit for the season. I'm beyond the all-star break. I'm at the season for this point because he came back to that Miami game, went out six minutes in, comes back two weeks later, doesn't play more than, I think he played two and a half quarters and he looked like he was on one leg. So it's just beyond stupid at this point. I think they need to look at sitting in for the season. They should have done it. I don't even think he should have come back, to be honest, but obviously the paces are competitive. They want their best players playing, so... I mean, it's hard for me because I know the Pacers front office does not want to rest this guy, but they're going to risk uh, tearing his Achilles at this point, I think. And that's the that's the issue, right? He, this is this is not good for Malcolm Brogdon as a as a person. This is not good for the team because you're not competing for a championship anyway. You're not competing for the playoffs. You're not even competing for the playing tournament. So, what are you gaining through having him on the floor? Like there is, there is no, with the greatest respect to the guy who plays, you know, puts up some numbers, is a, is an NBA player. Um, no one's buying a ticket to go, wow, I can't wait to see Malcolm Brogdon. And, and that's just because he's not a flashy player. We've said it several times and uh, he gets it done. He, he gets a lot of points, gets a lot of assists. He plays hard. Uh, he's a smart basketball player, but no one's buying a ticket to see him. So why are you rushing him out there? Why, like, it's not going to improve your attendance. It's not going to improve your winning record because this team is broken. This team's been broken for months, probably years. And still you rush a guy out there just like you did with Victor Oladipo when he was dealing with knee soreness. And all of a sudden he blew out his quad and played about 10 games for the Pacers after that for the rest of his career before leaving uh, you know, unceremoniously, and now he's barely playing because you didn't value the fact that you need to get these guys fully healthy before you play them. I don't know who's calling the shots here. I don't know whether it's that, you know, uh, doctors or sports scientists are being overruled by basketball people who want to see the players out on the floor, by ownership, by management. Who knows? It could be anyone. It could be the player themselves. It could be Malcolm Brogdon saying, I have to be out there. I have to play when he needs someone with authority to jump in front of him and say, no, you don't. You don't need to compromise the next two, three, four years of your career by continuing to play when you are hurt because we have seen that, unfortunately, your body has a habit of breaking more often than we would like it to. So let's put it in the best position to succeed. Let's get you healthy. Let's get you as durable as you possibly can be and strong and build you up so that you can continue to produce for this team, you know, 70, 75 games a season, as opposed to 50 games a season, Justin, it's madness. It is. It's complete madness. And I, I remember messaging you guys a few days ago. I'm, I'm a bit off Brogdon um, from every standpoint that you mentioned, Adam, like, He's not exciting to watch. Um, yes, he can put up good stats, and he was a clutch player last year, but I'm just completely off him as a starting point guard for your franchise. Um, you see all the contending teams, they just have very vast different point guards, and that's what we need to succeed. And Pacers, I don't know, they're, I've mentioned it for years and years. Since Mark Jackson, they haven't had like a really, really, really good point guard. Even in Sorry, there, like, combo. Always combo guards. Always. Yeah. Even, even in their heydays when they were competing, like it was like a Jamal Tinsley. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, he's George not going to get it Jeff Teague. All, yeah. you know, not pure, you know, distributed. Colson was not even distributor. No. It, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. Is that something they they strive for and look for? They, they don't want 
a playmaker sort of player? I'm not too sure. But, um, yeah, it is a bit disappointing. I think, um, you know, all the pace of nations kind of waking up every morning, whether you're in Australia or America, and I think you're kind of expecting to see a watch bomb or a trade, um, whether, you know, you want Miles traded or Sabonis or, or whatnot. I think everyone's expecting something in the next few weeks. Um Alex, you mentioned, I think, yeah, if they weren't to make a trade past the deadline, I I would have no words left in my vocabulary to use. Well, I guess, you know, you've got to look at also who's been in charge over that that term. And uh, Larry Bird was in charge for a lot of the time. Dennis Johnson was his point guard and Dennis Johnson wasn't that role, uh, that sort of player. He was a pure defender because he was playing against next to some all-world offensive players at that point in time. But that aside, I, I just um, – I don't really know what the answer is at point guard, but I also don't know if Brogdon is the answer at point guard and if point guard is his right position. We've, talk, we've talked about uh, separate to this, this podcast – that Brogdon may not be a point guard. That may not be his natural best position. Alex, is is Brogdon a shooting guard? The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Absolutely, mate. I feel like we've been having this conversation for a while. Uh, 50, 40, 90, the last time he played shooting guard, which I know was one season. But look, he was so much better playing off of Giannis. And that's why those Ben Simmons rumors were always a little bit funny to me in the sense that he was the the main piece in those trades. Like if I was trading for Ben Simmons, I would want Brogdon next to him as his backcourt partner. Like I, I just think he would be the perfect guy to, to catch and shoot. You look at his, his numbers, his shooting splits are so much better when he's off the ball, when he's catch and shooting. So, uh, yeah, it, it's bizarre. It's tough to watch because he's not a point guard. Neither is Levert, even though they try to make him one. Um, but, yeah, it, it's interesting to see what they do. I mean, there are point guards on the market. Fox is a guy that's come up in rumors. We apparently like Sexton as well, which would make sense because he's coming off a season-ending injury. So the Pacers should absolutely love him. But, um, yeah, there, there's plenty of names out there, I think. All right, so let's let's talk about those three names specifically, and I'm going to go to each of you, and you can only choose one of those three. So you've got start with Justin. I know he's going to say behind door number one, Ben Simmons. Then you got Darren Fox, and you got Colin Sexton. So uh, from my perspective, Ben Simmons clearly going to cost you the most uh, in terms of outlay uh, on the most money overall, uh, and over I think four more seasons, including this one. Um, 
clearly has significant problems in his camp and overall over the past couple of years with his motivation for playing and his demeanor and his output and his offensive production, his confidence and all those sorts of things. And you got De'Aaron Fox, who has been playing on a basket case of a franchise in Sacramento, with all due respect to their fans, they are not very well run whatsoever and have not made the playoffs in 15 years. So very tough to gauge how much of his lack of improvement over the past couple of years is him and how much of it is the situation that he's in. Uh, Great athlete, can put up numbers. Um, I am personally a big fan. He would be my choice if it was me. Then you got Colin Sexton, who... Didn't fit great next to Garland, got injured. Cleveland have gone from strength to strength uh, and uh, Sexton can put up points, but um, hasn't really proven that he can run a a good offense in the NBA as yet. Um, Justin, pick one. Um, out of those three, I'll say Fox. I think he's he'd be the best on the Pacer team, I think, with quickness and which the Pacers really need. Um, there's such a slow, boring team in the half court with Brogdon. So, yeah, I think De'Aaron Fox would fix that. Um, but since we're on the subject, I just want to throw out my little thing, and I feel like it'd be a win-win for both franchises, and that would be Sabonis and a pick for Jalen Brown. Uh, I, I want to see that deal done. I don't know if Boston fans would be like, oh, are you kidding me? Why would we do that? But they need a big man. Sabonis would be great with Tatum. And then that fixes the Tabonis issue. So we've got Jalen Brown and Turner uh, and Duarte, um, a really good young nucleus you can build on. So I'm just going to throw that in there as well. Okay. Alex, firstly, same question back at you in terms of which one of those three players that I mentioned or you mentioned uh, are you picking? And then secondly, would you do that uh, Jalen Brown deal, particularly if it involved throwing a couple of picks in, because I feel like Boston would ask for more than just Sabonis in that situation. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, it really depends if you want to give up this year's pick is probably the biggest question mark. Yeah. Do you want to give up a top five pick and Sabonis? I don't know. I don't think they oh, It's tough. I really like Jalen Brown. I mean, he would be the most talented pacer since Paul George easily. So who knows? But in terms of point guards, I, I think Fox is probably the the guy there but at the same time i <laughs> i'm still a ben simmons believer sadly i don't know he he would be he's just so i don't know ben simmons is frustrating to me because when he's playing confidently almost similar to miles i guess obviously ben simmons is better than miles but it's frustrating to watch them sometimes because they're so much better than what they play as if that makes sense like i i just don't think uh the, the confidence thing is there at all for ben simmons it's just been completely shot so that would be the biggest factor can I just answer your question? Would you be willing to give up a top five pick? My answer is no. Hell no. You've worked so hard to get to a point where you suck enough to get a top five pick. Can we not spend it on a guy who's 23, 24 <laughs> years old? Please. Can we not? And a guy that's owed, you know, $200 million over the next five years. Like, can we just get a rookie on a rookie deal? and only have to pay them $10 million a year for the next four years so that we can build something with the rest of the salary cap. I just, I, I probably overrate rookie contracts, but I don't overrate the fact that you've got a guy for potentially nine seasons uh, if you draft a rookie. And, you know, you've got to consider that Sabonis plus nine years of a top rookie in this draft for Jalen Brown, a guy who has never made an all-star team, uh, just no. 
um, or a guy who may have made one all-star team. Am I wrong there, I Alex? You I thinking? can't remember. I can't remember. I thought he made one. Maybe not. Yeah, I, I'm also didn't want to give up this year's draft pick. It was hopefully maybe like a future first or maybe a, a filler like Justin Holiday, Tory Craig, someone yeah. like that. Yep. But yeah, I agree with, agree with that, Adam. I wouldn't want to give up this pick well, as well. I, I would uh, also, I would want to pair the top five pick with whoever you bring in in a trade, if that makes sense. So yeah. You know, yeah. if you're the paces and all right, let's for for argument's sake say you do trade for De'Aaron Fox, well then draft a guy in your top five who fits alongside him, right? If that makes sense. Yep. So I would much rather that than than giving up both. But for me, the the other key is that if you if you conceded that you are going to get a top five, top six pick in this draft, for me you don't really make many, if any, big moves unless you are getting off a guy that has high trade value like Turner Wood to a playoff team. Because you want to draft the best player available and then you want to build a team around them as opposed to, you know, trading for an all-star and then being hamstrung when the best player available happens to play their position. We've seen so many teams over the last few years not draft a player because they already had another player at that position. And then the player that they missed out on happens to be an all-star. And the player that they already had maybe didn't or wasn't quite as good as that player. So I think um, it's important that, if you do get a top pick, if you do get a young kid, then you you make the, the conscious active decision to build around that guy, regardless of the position they play, the strengths that they have. Um, because, you know, if you, if you try and mold your draft pick to the roster that you already have, if you need to start again, like the paces kind of have to start again, then Justin, I feel like you get into a position where you, you don't build a team that makes sense. You build a team based on, you know, who you've got at the time and you should be trying to build the best team, not the team based on Sabonis, for example. Yeah, and you're completely right. And I think the last few years, Kevin Pritchard is, is not where he, he thinks he's probably drafted on um, the best talent on the board. And we can see that with, there was no need to draft Goga. I mean, in hindsight now, that was a silly decision. You've drafted a guy and essentially not played him um, for a few years when, you know, you've had Sabonis and Turner, I think. In hindsight, you probably would have looked elsewhere at a different different position to draft. But um, look, it's all it's easy for us to say as kind of keyboard warriors. I know it's much more difficult in the draft room when you've got these decisions to make. But um, yeah, I will say, look, I'm I'm getting excited for the trade deadline. Really want to see changes in this team. And some rumors I've seen, which we know Pace's rumors are rarely correct, but some rumors are. Uh, you know, I saw Miles Turner and Karis LeVert being shopped for future first-round picks. I love that. I think that would be fantastic. You know, let's build towards the future. Let's sign off on a rebuild. And there's, there's other rooms saying, oh, you know, we're going to get Gordon Hayward. That would make me put a hole through my wall. So, you know, it's it's, it's exciting times one way or the other. It, it's, I, it's funny. I read a tweet that where someone said that the, the fan base was split over Gordon Hayward. No, 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 no. The fan base is not split. I have not seen one tweet, not one. And I read oh, a lot sadly, of Pacers sadly fan I tweets have. supporting. Sadly, I have. Sadly, you have. How many, like, but it's like, we're talking That's 99% I tweeted. of the tweets yeah. are, get this guy the hell away from our franchise. Do not trade for him, please. Stupidest decision ever. I, it would make no sense why you're paying this guy at this well, stage of the franchise. Well, the the yeah. argument that I've seen, Justin, is people have told me, oh, yeah, but well, Haywood would be the best two-way player on the paces right now. It's like, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, he would probably help us get to like the 10th seed. 
secondly, you would be paying this dude like $34 million in his 30s. Like, no, please. I'm begging. Just no. It, yeah, as I said, you know, 99% of Pacers fans don't want Gordon Haywood on this team with due respect to Gordon Haywood because it just, it it flies in the face of everything the fan base wants the franchise to to do over the next couple of years. And if you had to pay this guy what he's in the second year of a $120 million deal. He's got two years, 60 million left after this year. Um, that's a lot of money and gives you no cap flexibility whatsoever to do anything. I guess in 18 months, he becomes an expiring deal. So maybe he's more appealing. Maybe you can get something for that, but you know, he's a former all-star. He will want the ball. He will want to control the offense. He'll want to, he'll, you know, be expecting that the offense flows through him. And once again, if you're going to draft a kid in the top five and you've got Gordon Haywood there, um, you don't want someone that is going to have their style cramped by Gordon Haywood. Like you want to give the keys to this kid. You want to give them the opportunity to succeed. And, you know, Haywood, I'm not sure would be able to do that. Having said that, he's done that with LaMelo Ball, but LaMelo Ball's special. So you would only, you would hope and pray that you get someone as good as LaMelo Ball in the draft. So I don't know. It's, I'm in two minds about the situation, but I definitely don't want that contract on, on my cap sheet. Um, last question, just on this topic of drafting, drafting a kid, uh, Rick Carlisle's our coach. Now, Rick Carlisle just left his previous team because he drafted a kid that he didn't get along with that was, you know, an otherworldly talent. Um, Carlisle, I guess... Uh, inherited Dirk Nowitzki in his prime. Uh, he inherited Jermaine O'Neal in his prime. He's never had a situation where he's drafted a really good young kid and developed them into a superstar without friction. So does he want to rebuild? Does he want to draft a really good, talented young kid He's got three years left after this season. I, I guess I have a, I have questions about his motivations to put in the work required to rebuild this team, Justin. When he's entering, you know, the latter parts of his coaching career, and he may want to work for a contender straight away. It's a very good point and something that's a bit concerning for Pacer fans because then you bring up not rebuild or retool, um, which might go into Carlisle. I feel like the next move Pacers make, uh, you know, could be tomorrow, could be in a week. I feel like Carlisle's going to have a big say on that move, whether that's Turner traded or Levert. Apparently him and Levert don't get on, along very well um, or Sabonis. So I feel like, yeah, the next move Pacers make, it, you, you know, there's, when Carlisle was hired, he's got a 50% kind of threshold with Kevin Pritchard on making moves. And, you know, Pritchard signed Lance. So I'm sure, um, you know, Carlisle was saying, hey, you know, I want to make a move here. I want to kind of adjust the roster the way I want it. So it is a great point. I don't think the Pacers will re rebuild. We all kind of know that. But, um, yeah, I suppose the rumours of trading Turner and Levert for those first-round picks to get me a bit excited, but I can't see Carlisle wanting to be, yeah, in the lottery for three years and then his deal's up either. Um, you know, he's just come from a Dallas team, which were playoffs every year, and he's always been a coach who coaches good teams. Um, should we have kept Nate Bjorken? Who knows? <laughs> I say that jokingly, by the way, listeners. <laughs> I almost fell off my chair. 
Um, all right. So it is a huge three and a half week coming three three and a half weeks coming up for the Indiana Pacers until the trade deadline because I think moves have got to be made over the next three and a half weeks. We will obviously keep you updated over that time with all the rumors that we hear, any fake trades that we hate. You know, you'll hear it all over the next three and a half weeks. We've been the Pacers. Thanks so much for listening. See you again next time. 